Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Church Podcast. This is our last week of this, and in this, most of us have heard the story of the prodigal son, Um, and and we've heard this story. There's songs about it. There's country songs about it. There's all kinds of, there's TV shows called The Prodigal. I have no idea what it's about, probably nothing to do with this, Um, but um, in the last few weeks, the first week, we talked about having the heart of a father, right? And what's it look like to forgive like the father and to love like the father did? Last week, we talked about having eldest son syndrome. And man, for some of us that have grown up in the church, we're keep, we keep asking, well, what about me? What about me? And it's really hard for us to celebrate and clap. Instead, of, uh, instead, we find ourselves criticizing and complaining. And how do you get past that? We talked about that last week. But this week, I want to talk to you about the character most of us are familiar with called the prodigal son, the younger son. Um, and, and some of us, we kind of, maybe we identify with him, maybe we don't. Um, but when I started reading this text. And when I was going through the books and studying for this series, uh, it struck me for the first time. And I grew up hearing this story and reading this parable, but it struck me for the first time. The younger, son, the younger son's decision to ask for his inheritance and to go off on his own didn't just affect the younger son, right? But it affected the eldest son. It affected his father. It affected the community that he grew up in. And and what I have noticed is that sometimes our mess up doesn't just mess us up, but it messes other people's lives up. It affects others. It touches others. It messes everything up. One of my good friends, Derek Smith, um, they have or had a lab, um, and she was an older lab, and they leave their dogs out at night like a lot of us do, and this lab got sick one night and was having some stomach issues and thankfully didn't do it in their carpeted bedroom, but in the living room, I believe, there may, I may be exaggerating some on that aspect, but there's more to come. And so um, wasn't the throw-up kind, the other kind, so you're with me. You're kind of, you're like, what kind of church are we at right now where this is the topic for Easter Sunday, right? The title is this, Totinos and Baseball. So, you know, it's not like the empty grave and the cross. It's Totinos and Baseball is our title today. But um, the dog got sick, and that, that's not the bad part. Got a beautiful home. The dog gets sick. But they have scheduled every night for their Roomba to go off, right? 
and their Roomba goes off, and it hits the dog's mess, and it, right, just, like, just all over, all over the place, just, and that, hey, that, that vacuum worked really well. I mean, they could tell exactly where that vacuum hit all over the different places. They're like, yeah, it gets every corner, right? Um, And that reminds me, that's a lot of times how our messes in life happen, what it looks like. It's not just self-contained to us. It's not just self-contained to one part or one aspect or one room of our life. But a lot of times when we mess up, it doesn't just affect us, and it doesn't just affect a season of life. It affects others, and it affects a lot of seasons and a lot of different chapters of our life. And so how do you keep that? How do you come back from that? Today our text is found in Luke chapter 15, verse 11 through 24. And it says this, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of my estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and, went, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About that time, his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods, even the slop, right, that he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, and sometimes, I love that phrase, sometimes it takes us a while to come to our senses, doesn't it? Sometimes it takes us a while, man, what am I doing? When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him, and his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring and put it on his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, with a party. For this son of mine was dead and now he has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. And when I read this aspect of the text, I've never came across it and asked this question and thought about this question until this series, and it, it, it's kind of haunted me. What made the youngest son leave in the first place? Right? What? What? Because because from what we gather, he's got a pretty good situation. He's got a good relationship with his father. He's got a loving father, apparently. And so what went through his mind, what went through his thought process and entered his life that made the younger son decide to leave home in the first place? And it's our first point. It's simply this. The son's sinful urges led him to a place he never imagined. The son's sinful urges led him to a place 
he never imagined. Have you ever asked, how did I get here, right? Like, how, how did I come to this place in life? And, and for the most part, it, this is the answer. Most of the time, we just followed our urges. We just followed our cravings. Uh, last November, November 2020, um, I was at our house and, you know, everything was kind of, we were kind of all freaked out still about COVID. And, and I, know, I know we're still concerned. I'm not saying that. So stop reading into it, right? Like you can't say anything right. So I'll just keep moving along, Justin. Um, <laughs> and so um, we're, we're sitting there and I had gotten sick Saturday night. Uh, broke a fever Sunday morning, called Michael. Michael came, our youth director came in, subbed in, did a great job. Um, I broke my fever. I felt fine. I, I, the rest of Sunday afternoon, I was fine. And Casey's like, you think you have COVID? I'm like, there's no way I have COVID, right? Like, no way. Dumbest thing I've heard, right? Because I just beat it in tw less than 24 hours. And so um, next day, I get up, I go to the gym. Um, I'm like, I'm fine. I stayed away from here. Just make sure 24 hours. But I guess I didn't care that much about people at the gym. I probably should have thought that through. Um, Tuesday comes, I go back to the gym, doing fine, and, and I'm still staying away. And she's like, I don't know. But I'm like out cutting wood and, and like cutting trees down. I'm like, man, I'm ready to go. I feel great. I feel fine, right? And then Wednesday, she's like, Justin, I think you need to go get a COVID test just to be sure. I'm like, I'm not getting a COVID test. I'm, my, my friends, Steve Newsbaum, who's a doctor, my buddy Corey Spurlock are like, Justin, I think you need to go get a COVID test just to be sure. I'm like, guys, I don't have COVID. COVID doesn't want this. If so, I've conquered it. There's nothing to be worried about, right? And so I'm sitting there, I'm talking to Casey, and she's like, are you, are you sure? And I'm drinking coffee, and it's the afternoon, and I'm like, Casey, I'm sure, and I go to take a drink of coffee, and I can't taste my coffee. And I'm like, dadgummit, you see this, what you put on me, Ricky Bobby, like you put <laughs> this voodoo on me, right? You did this to me. And so I go get tested. Sure enough, I have COVID. And I had a very, very mild, if you can have a good experience with it, I had a good experience with it. The problem was I couldn't smell or taste, right? Like immediately after I couldn't taste my coffee, I started sniffing everything in the house. Like everything short of gasoline, I was sniffing. I'm like, I can't smell it. I can't smell it. You know, like, are you sure these, these seasons aren't out of date? You know, like, are they? And I was just like, whoa. And, and I didn't realize how much I was going to miss tasting food, right? Like some of you that have had it, it is the worst, you're like, I, I, I miss Doritos, right? Like, I just, I miss things. And so we couldn't go anywhere. We're quarantined, the whole crew. And my in-laws called. And they're like, hey, we know you can't go to the grocery store. Why don't we go shopping for you? We'll drop the groceries off at the front of your house. And I'm like, okay, it's great. And Casey's like, you want anything? And I was like, you know what? I, I, I know I can't taste anything, but you know how when you grow up, you remember certain tastes. There are certain tastes that are iconic to you, like Captain Crunch cereal, right? Like iconic, iconic things. Growing up, the staple of my mid-high, high school life, this was my go-to food, was Totino's Combination Pizza, right? Like, if you have never had that, let me tell you what you are. You are a rich person. You're the rich ones. Congratulations. I can afford DiGiorno. Whoa, right? Like, awesome. 
But you don't know what it's like. Look, it says sausage and pizza topping with pepperoni seasoning. It doesn't even say it's real pepperoni, okay? <laughs> That's where we're at. It's pepperoni seasoning. But I can, I can taste this right now as I preach. Like, I can taste it. And so this is what I had my in-laws get, and I put it in the oven right on the rack, right? Because you got to have a crispy crust. Get out here that, with that rookie mistake. Crispy crust. Right on the rack, I pull them out, and I cut them. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm salivating. I am like drooling at this time because I know the taste that is about to hit my mouth. And I eat the first piece, and Casey looks at me after I'm done with the first piece, and she goes, well, and I go, nothing. I go, absolutely nothing. And I take the pizzas, and I throw them in the trash, and I am mad. I'm mad. I'm just going to tell you. And she goes and starts being reasonable. is like, well, why don't you eat something healthy since you can't taste anything anyways? <laughs> And then we started going to counseling the next week. I'm like, nah, nah, <laughs> Way to be wise, right? Like, oh, yeah. Because I don't like the way healthy food tastes when I can taste. Like, I, don't. I want Totino's pizza. And so after about 10 minutes of pouting, here's what happened. I went back to the trash can. I threw some stuff off, and I took the pizza out, and I ate it. <laughs> Why? Why? <laughs> like, some of you are like... Why, why, when did that become an option or like a good idea? You're at a place now, Justin, you can afford DiGiorno, right? Like you're not at a Tino's level, much less trash to Tino's. Like there's a difference. I just wanted to feel something again, right? Like I'm just like <laughs> crying in the shower. Just let me taste something. Like I just, and here's the deal. What I thought I would never do at age 44, <laughs> digging in the trash, eating a Totino's that has been in the trash can, <laughs> all of a sudden became, and how did I get there? Simple, I followed my urge there. Sounded good. It's not wise, it's gross, right? Can I tell you, that's exactly what happened to the youngest son. How did he get to where the pig pen was his reality? He simply followed his urges there. He didn't start off leaving home, thinking about the long game, thinking, hey, this is going to be a good strategy. This is going to be a good decision for me to go this way and do this. No, 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 no. He followed his urges. It was following his urges that made him leave home behind. When he started spending his money, and the oldest brother, I mean, sounds it out. He says, this son of yours to the father has wasted your money, has wasted your inheritance on prostitutes and wild living. Wasn't, this wasn't a Dave Ramsey scheme, right? This wasn't, hey, what's going to be a wise way to invest my money? What did he do? He followed his urges. And by following his urges, it led him to a place that he's sitting there going, how did I end up here? How did this become my reality? In Romans chapter 8, verse 12 through 14 says this, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by your urges, if you live by its dictates, you will die. 
But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. And here's what the promise of this scripture is, is that if you follow your urges, it's always going to lead you to regret and it's always going to kill your dreams. And it's going to kill relationships. So here's what we've got to learn from this parable is don't settle for less than what the Father intended you to have. Right? Don't settle for less than what the Father intended you to have. The pen, the pig pen, was not what the Father had in mind for his son. This was, this was not the end game. This was not the inheritance. In fact, for Jewish, the Jewish culture, you didn't mess with pigs, right? If you were in FFA, you showed cows and sheep, not pigs, because pigs were, were, were unclean, ceremonially unclean, by touching them, by being around them. You're unclean. And so here it is. The son has fallen and followed his urges and followed his urges, and it's led to death of dreams, death of situations, to where all of a sudden the son's life has been that he has settled for a situation that is less than what his father intended his life to be in the first place. Some of us, that's exactly where we are. And Jesus says this in John 10, 10. He says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that you may have life and have it to the full. Or have it more abundantly. And some of you, you've allowed the enemy to steal your dreams, to steal your purpose, and settle for less than what the Father intended you and me to have. And settled for less than what he intended your life to look like. So what do you do? What do you do if you're sitting there saying, how did I get here? How did this happen? Hear me. You understand that you do whatever you have to do to get home. You do whatever you have to do to get home. One thing I've learned is sometimes you have to lose all the options to turn to the only option. Right? And, and rock bottom sometimes is a great place to start. Rock bottom can be a great starting place. And here's the son. And he finally comes to his senses. And he finally comes to a place where he's like, you know what? This isn't the way the father intended for me to live my life out. This isn't the way that it should be. And he makes a decision to do whatever it takes to start back home. And so many times we think, oh, well, he just started home. But think about the walk back home. The walk back at home was long. The walk back home, it was embarrassing. Everybody knew it. The whole community knew what the son did. Right? The, the, the dad knew. The, the, the eldest son knew. He stunk. He didn't have a change of clothes. He's coming back broken, and it's in the news, and everybody knows what's going on. But the son comes to this realization, man, if I can just get home, everything will be different. If, if I can just get home, everything will change. I don't know a whole lot about baseball. It is not my sport. But what I do know is this, is that when the guy gets in the batter's box, his goal isn't to get a walk. It's not to get hit by the ball, though. That would be my strategy, right? Like free base. Um, but it's, it's not to, to even just get to second base or third base. The goal of each person in that batter's box is to get home. Not to get to first base, 
But man, if I've got to steal a base to get to me closer to home, I'll do what it takes. Whatever, if I've got to bunt to get that runner closer to home, I'll bunt. Whatever I've got, my, I'm watching my coach waving me home, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get me home. And hear me today, whatever you've got to do, man, if you're sitting there going, how did this happen? How did this end up that this is my reality? Hear me, do whatever you've got to do to get home. Because it would not help if the son, the younger son was, was, was trying to make his reality something other than what it was. If he tried to deny, well, it's not that bad. Or it's, I haven't gone that far. That's not going to improve his situation. But the thing, the moment that it started improving is when the son came to the place where he said, no matter what it takes, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get home. And the sun shows us the antidote to being bad. The antidote to being bad isn't being good, it's being forgiven. Right? The antidote to being bad isn't being good, but it's being forgiven. Check this video out. I was raised in a very Christian home, and... Um, just somehow in my teenage years, I started dabbling in drugs and alcohol, and um, that took a violent turn into meth addiction in my mid-20s. I lost my family completely. I had destroyed the relationship that I was in. Um, my kid, um, I wasn't taking care of him. I was completely neglecting him. He was living with my aunt and still is. And I had completely lost all, not, not just faith in God, but a belief that God existed. I didn't even believe he was real anymore. My mom and my family had been reserving a bed for me in a sober living for like a month. And I kept saying, yeah, I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm going to go. And I would back out at the last second. And I was down to my very last day where they were like, we're giving the bed away. And I was like, well, I'll be there at one. And then I didn't make it. And I just texted and I was like, look, I'm not going to make it. I'm in Muskogee. I'm stuck. I, and I'm, I'm sorry. And this is it. And I thought that that was like a goodbye to everybody text. And the next, the text I got in response five seconds later was, we're in Muskogee right now. Where are you at? I'm coming back to you. Coxie, Missouri, um, had a good childhood, great parents, uh, raised me to be morally correct and doing all the right things, and went to school at Missouri State, blew a higher alcohol point than my GPA my first semester in college, and I dropped out of school <laughs> and decided to move to Tulsa, so I'm freaking out because I've got bills like your parents would at 22 and with not the income to support it. I had battled like depression and everything for the, like the past six months. I'm paying rent on a credit card every month, trying to figure this out, like literally don't know what you're gonna do type thing. It was amazing that I'm going back for my buddy Drew getting married a year after we moved here. Um, and he's always been a big believer in God. I'm just at his bachelor party of all places. Um, but I asked him all the crazy questions that you asked, like, 
when did dinosaurs and humans come together? You know, after talking to him about all that, and I really prayed that night, and I haven't prayed in a long time. And then the very next morning, we go to his, the church that he attends at the time, and we're sitting there after service, and I feel like you're supposed to go to the front and like declare your life over to Jesus. He was able to baptize me the exact same day. The pastor's like, let's just do this. What's every other option? for half a second um, to make me send that text because the very next second I was regretting it and trying to back out of it. And I was like, no, I don't want to go. I don't, I don't want to help. I don't want to get clean. And God had other plans for me. He found me right where I was at. And even in the midst of my most hopeless, desperate, darkest days, when I didn't believe there even was a God, he still picked me up by the scruff like a puppy out of a mud puddle. And I'm so thankful that he found me because I wasn't looking for him. And I hear the song is singing, crying out, run, child, run. Father, I am returning. I'll stay where I belong. I hear the song is singing, crying out, run, child, run. Father, I am returning. Jesus in my heart, and I knew I was saved. 
And as the years progressed and I got into high school, I just didn't have a close relationship with the Lord. And I would hear my friends in school talking about going to parties and how they got drunk. And I always just thought, I'm missing out. I want to try it. I want to know what that feels like. So I started to drink and it was fun. I'm like, okay, this is cool. And I remember smoking weed. So I started to do that and I got to doing it every day. And then I would branch out and try new drugs. And one thing led to another. I ended up being hooked on prescription pain pills. I tried to quit doing drugs and I couldn't. I would go maybe three days and it was just too hard. So I have a, a cousin of mine named Jordan and me and him used to run around a lot and we, we were both trying to quit at the same time. And I remember one night uh, I was coming down from a high and I needed another pill. So I texted him, hey, you got anything? And he's like, yeah. So I crushed it up and snorted it. And I remember uh, that night looking over at him and he was sitting in a recliner asleep. Like, he was nodding out, you know. And I was making fun of him with another friend that was there. Like, look at Jordan over there asleep. And she told me, yeah, he talked about going to Teen Challenge, but he was just scared to go by himself. And whenever she said that, I heard this on the inside. Tell Jordan you'll go to Teen Challenge with him. I set the pipe down and I go up to Jordan and slap him on the knees, wake up. I said, if you want to go to Teen Challenge, I'll go with you. And he stood up and gave me a hug and it felt like uh, I saw hope enter his eyes. Here I come running, running. Here I come running, running. Here I come it's a slow fade you just look up and you're there you know it's not like you make this conscious decision like well I'm gonna graduate today from mild and and you know uh, mild drug use to intense drug use it doesn't there's no conscious decision there you just wake up one day and you've fallen so far down the, the rabbit hole that 
you're like, how did I even get here? And there's no way out. When it feels the most hopeless and the darkest and like you're the farthest away from God that you've ever been and that you can ever be, that is when he's the closest. And all you've got to do is just, just cry out to him. I mean, that one text that I sent without me knowing it at the time, that was me crying out. And all I had to do was say, Dad, I need you. The second you want him, he's right there and he'll fill you right up. It was a very slow fade out, but not a very slow fade back in. It was pretty, pretty like God saying, I'm right here. Here he comes running, running. Here he comes running, running. Here he comes running, running. And he won't look back. Oh, he won't look back. Here he comes running, running. Here he comes running, running. Here he comes running, running. And he won't look back. No, he won't look back. Here he comes running, running. He's coming after you. Here he comes running, He's coming after you. Here he comes running, running. Fifteen twenty. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming and filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. And can I just tell you, even if you aren't looking for the father, the father hasn't stopped looking for you. Man. Even if... Like Nikki Stevens said, man, even if you've stopped looking and you think you're too far gone, your father's still waiting for you to come back home. And so whatever you've got to do, man, you may have to pick yourself up. You may have to walk home. You may say, Justin, it's going to be too embarrassing. Justin, I've gone too far. No, you haven't. Whatever you do, get yourself back home. Come back home home because your father is still looking and waiting for you. Let's bow our heads and go before the Lord. Lord, we come before you and we just thank you that you are so patient. The Lord, some of us were here and we just don't know how this became our reality. And we want to excuse it away and we want to minimize it. But God, that's not going to change our situation and that's not going to change our life. And so, Lord, I pray today, some of us, we would come to our senses. We would realize we've settled for less than what you ever intended our life to be. And that we would come back home. Lord, whatever it takes today, that we come back home. And Lord, we would realize we have a Father who isn't mad at us, isn't waiting to punish us, 
But man, you haven't stopped looking for us is the reality. And you're waiting on us to come back home. And your promise is this, you'll run to us. You're not too dignified. You're not too big. But Lord, you're just that much in love with us and welcoming us home. So Lord, I pray right now that we would come, whatever we got to do, we would come back home with your heads bowed and your eyes closed today if you're here. And you say, Justin, I'm here today. I'm here. And I need to come back home. I don't need to know the story. You know what? The, the father didn't ask, what all did you do wrong? What all, how long has this been going on? He just was ready to have his son come back home. And today, if for some of you, it's time to come back home. What, whatever you got to do, this is your moment to come back home because your father is still waiting for you. And so here's what I want us to do. When I count to three, if this is your day and you say, Justin, it's time for me to come home. I realize that my father hasn't stopped looking for me and it's time for me to have a fast exchange. If that's you, when I count to three, all I want you to do is raise your hand and we're going to welcome you home. One, two, three. If, you, if that's you, would you just raise your hand? Yeah, 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 yeah. Is there anyone else? You just raise your hand with these hands across the building. You say, Justin, that's me. Yeah, yeah. Is there anyone else before we go any further in this service? There's about four or five hands that are lifted in this place today that just said, Justin, it's time for me to come home. Is there anyone else before we go any further? If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today. And I confess that I've sinned and that I've messed up. Jesus, I repent and I ask for forgiveness. And I turn to you and I come home. And I run into your loving arms that are waiting for me. And I ask that your grace and your love would wash over my life. And I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and the Savior of my life. It is in Jesus' wonderful name I pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, are in need of prayer, or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at Nicole at foundationschurch.tv. hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.